Welcome. You are listening to Bible teaching from Island Community Church in downtown Memphis, Tennessee. We hope today's message helps you grow in relationship with Jesus. You can access more gospel resources and ways to connect with our church at iccmemphis.com. Thank you for listening. Well, welcome this morning and Merry Christmas Eve to you. Uh, My name is Jordan and I am the church planning resident here at ICC and I am so grateful um, just to be able to be here with you this morning and just share um, the special tradition of being with a church family on Christmas Eve. Growing up, that is something that was so dear to me. I remember when I was a kid, um, we, we had a Christmas Eve service, and I don't think they do this anymore because of how dangerous it is, but in our little Southern Baptist church in East Tennessee, I remember they just said, all right, we're going to have an open mic for anyone who wants to sing a Christmas carol. And... Uh, you know, I, I wish I could say I got up there and sang something like rocking around the Christmas tree because I didn't know what a Christmas girl was. I didn't. I got up un, unbeknownst to my mom and dad and sang Silent Night as a, as a six-year-old in our church. And um, my mom and dad still talk about that as one of their favorite memories because it was something that, that they didn't see coming. And it was something that I didn't see coming. I just wanted to sing Silent Night. It was my favorite. And so Christmas Eve and Christmas... In, in, the, in the realm of being with the church body um, is super special. And I'm so grateful to be here. I want to catch you guys up to tell you where we've been because for the last few weeks, we've actually been celebrating this Christmas season with this series, Out of Darkness. We started kind of at the first of December and we talked about this idea that because of Christ's coming, he has brought us out of darkness in many different ways. We, we started the first Sunday with talking about after 400 years of silence, God answers that silence with Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, right? So out of the darkness of silence into the light of presence. And then a couple weeks ago, uh, we had um, John Caleb talk about um, Elizabeth and Zechariah and their prayer for a son and John the Baptist and God's promise to them as he... um, gave them John the Baptist and then the way, the way that they looked forward to the Messiah after God had made good on his promise. And that out of Elizabeth's darkness of despair, she was given a real light of joy. And out of Zechariah's darkness of disbelief, he was brought into the light of hope. Then last week, we talked about Mary and Joseph. And as the angel visited Mary... He told her that you have found favor with God. Literally, grace. God has given you this grace of this son. And we talked about how the circumstance of her being pregnant without being married would have caused so much shame and and so much societal pressure that would have no doubt kept her off balance and, and wrecked her world. But it was the truth of what God spoke over her through the angel Gabriel that she has found favor that she was able to walk out of the darkness of shame and into the light of grace. And I'm excited, that's where we're gonna pick up this morning. We're actually gonna pick up with a very familiar story, one that you've probably heard 10 times already this season, but I hope that you hear it with a little bit of fresh ears this morning. We're talking about the shepherds keeping watch over their fields by night 
And then the unexpected visitor of this angel and what happens when the angel comes and visits them. Now, I don't know how you do with unexpected visitors, but for me, it's very much a a place of, of fear. And that's what we're talking about today, this darkness of fear. Let me, let me paint the picture as I was trying to put myself in the place of the shepherds being surprised by a visitor. I actually had to like work through some past trauma. Let me, let me explain. So we, um, if you don't know our story, my wife and I worked at a children's home where we were house parents uh, for the last like six, seven years. And we moved back here in July. But while we worked there, we two times a year, we would have an unexpected visit from the Department of Children's Services. And they would come and they would knock on our door and they would say, hello, we're here to inspect your house. I just feel the, like, I just feel it already. I don't even know if I can get through it, right? Two times a year, you never know when they were coming. You didn't know what they were doing. And it wasn't just, it wasn't just DCS. We also had the health department. I remember one time the health department, like I got a text, hey, the health department's on, on campus. And it was like the Monday after the Super Bowl. And so we had like dirty dishes everywhere in the kitchen. And I remember just like piling the dishes, like taking them to my room and just like hiding them. Cause I was like, maybe he won't see it, right? Like there were so many times where we were just so afraid so fearful. I remember this DCS worker, her name was Becky. She like, I can see her like she's right here. And she would knock on the door and she would just smile at you. But it wasn't one of those like warm, happy smiles. It's like, I'm here to ruin your day smile. You know, like one of those that she knows that she holds the authority and you are hers for the next 30 minutes. And so you'd open the door and you would just try to get her talking about something. Cause maybe if she would like talk to you, she would maybe like miss that you hadn't done whatever. And when I talk about like, mind you, we were house parents to children, children, lots of children. And here are some of the things that Becky would look for. She would check to see um, if all the toilets were completely clean, which is fair. That's a fair ask in a house, right? Um, she, would, she would check your showers to see if there was anything that, that, you know, if any of the showers were dirty. If the shower curtains had mold on them, buddy, she'd check that off. She would check the baseboards for dust. I remember one time we had a, uh, a girl who forgot to clean her fan. And the fan, we, we got around it by just saying, just turn all the fans on. She'll never know if there's dust on it. But... <laughs> But she had the fan and the fan was completely still. And she was like, there's dust on that fan up there. I said, you're right, there is. You know, and so literally she would, she would have an eye for every bit of everything that, that, everything that could go wrong always went wrong when Becky came by. Now to put that in perspective for some of you, ladies, imagine if you get home from church today and your mother-in-law is there. Um... And, and all of a sudden she's going through your, your kitchen or your things and saying, well, you, you need this or this or this. That just strikes fear. Or maybe dad, if you're a dad in the room, imagine like the, the unexpected visitor of that, that crummy daycare flu comes by the house, right? And all of a sudden one of your kids is sick and you just know over the next two weeks that you're on duty of just making sure you know, everyone's going to be sick over the next two weeks and you just got to figure it out. Those are really silly examples of places where we're fearful or we have worries or anxieties, but 
I think all of us actually do live somewhat in this place of fear. And so the message this morning is, is simply this, out of the darkness of fear and into the light of faith. If we're actually honest with ourselves and really sit in it, we can actually understand that fear is one of the biggest driving motivators of our world. I remember I was, uh, just to lighten things up for a second, I was, when I was in high school, I had a, uh, my first psychology class ever. I don't remember anything from the class except for two things and I'm gonna share them with you this morning. These are two off the wall phobias that people actually have. People are actually afraid of this. The first is arachibutyrophobia. Anybody have any idea what this is? It's not spiders actually. It's actually the fear of getting peanut butter stuck to the roof of your mouth. <laughs> Some of you are like, oh, I have a new fear. Okay, great. Um, my favorite's this one though, luposlipophobia. And when you talk about ridiculousness, this is it. It's the fear of being chased by wolves around a kitchen table while wearing socks on a newly waxed floor. Like this is, this is a real thing, you can look it up, right? Sounds ridiculous and it is. And sometimes when we think about fear, we, we put fear in this place. We put it in this like realm of, oh, don't be afraid of the dark or don't be afraid of heights. Or as I've gotten older, I've realized I've become way more claustrophobic than I used to be, right? I am, do not put me in a small space. I will start, I will start itching because I'm ready to get out of it. We talk about fear in those places and I think we do it because we actually don't want to talk about fear as it actually presents itself in our life. I remember a few years ago, Audrey and I were in counseling, and one of the things that, after a lot of work together, that we got to a place with family counseling, one of the fears that we both expressed was, I'm afraid that our children won't like us when they grow up. As a parent, you have real fears. As a person, if you sit with yourself long enough, there are real fears that drive every action that you walk in. I'm afraid I'm not good enough. I, for the longest time, I've had a gripping fear of failure. I'm afraid, I'm afraid to fail. If I fail, what's, what's gonna happen? I remember I still, I still get nightmares of not finishing high school. Like I'll, I will wake up in the middle of the night and be like, no, you, you graduated high school and you graduated college and you did pretty well. But I still, there's a fear of me going back to that 17, 18 year old kid that didn't turn in this assignment and is not gonna be able to graduate and is not gonna be able to meet expectations. And for some of us, I think the, the truth is that if we're honest with ourselves and we, we spend enough time talking about what we're fearful of, there are some really big, dark, and scary things that we don't want to let ourselves walk in. But if we're honest, if we take the time, we, we realize that the idea of fear is something that, that, that we live in. Max Lucado said this, and I, I think it's great. He said, fear is a normal thing, but don't let it become a resident, only let it be a visitor. And so today we're gonna to talk about what it looks like as fear, as a visitor, and how the angel responded to these shepherds out of fear, 
and walk them into the light of faith. If you'll turn with me today, we are in Luke chapter two, starting in verse eight, and we're going to go all the way through verse 18. Here's what Luke chapter two says. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone round them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Let's pray together this morning. Heavenly Father, I pray that this morning, God, that we would put um, fresh eyes and fresh ears to your word. God, that we would not let the familiarity of a story or of a passage blind us to the truth that you're trying to talk to us through. God, I pray that we would be honest with our hearts and ourselves this Christmas and that we would be able to see what you're desiring for us to walk in, what, you're, what change you're unlocking, what places you're telling us to walk away from, God, and what, what desires you have for us in this place. God, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Now, I want to take a quick pause. And I want, I, I want to be very careful as I talk about fear and faith. I would be dumb to think that some of us in this room don't have a level of fear, anxiety, um, real struggles with the idea of mental health around some of this stuff. What I don't want to do this morning is I do not want to say, believe in God more and that will fix all the anxieties of your heart and your mind and your life. But what I do want to say is I do think that faith plays a powerful part in allowing us to become more whole as a person trying to walk with Jesus. I think faith, not fear, plays a huge part and allowing us to become more whole and more healthy as we walk with Jesus. This is not, this morning, a place of shame. If you're living in a place of anxiety, of real fear, of like can't get out of bed anxiety, just know that you're seen. 
I see you. I know it. We felt it. We've been in that place. And the only thing I want to say to you this morning is like, there is a God who sees you and loves you. And he has told you that you are beloved. Okay. That, just want a quick side for you because I know that that's a huge, huge piece. So where do we pick up? We see these shepherds. They're sitting in the field. They're keeping watch over their flock by night. And all of a sudden, without warning, we see this angel appear. And we, we see that the text says that they were afraid. They had fear, right? And so I want to paint the picture of who are these shepherds? We don't see their names. We don't see their backstories. But we do know, I think it's interesting that the first proclamation of Jesus' birth comes to these shepherds. And with these shepherds, what do we know? Well, we know that they were probably keenly aware of who they were. Meaning, we see shepherds today because of the metaphors, the analogies of shepherds throughout the Bible as these great and noble and wonderful people who lead these sheep. And we see God as that shepherd that's leading us, right? But in that day in Israel, shepherds actually weren't a very beloved people at all. They, they weren't actually even a trusted people. People saw them as unskilled, uneducated, unimportant, and even lastly, unclean. Because of their job and the times that they were out in the fields, the majority of shepherds and, and the way that they handled the sheep were actually disqualified from being able to enter the temple in cleanliness and be able to ask for forgiveness of sins. They, they were almost outcast into these, into these shadows and said, hey, the, these are the people that do this. And so people would have seen them as unworthy or unclean or undesirable. And with that identity, they would have also began to see themselves some of the same way. As a matter of fact, I think these shepherds would have been in a place of acknowledging basically their lack. They would have known that compared to others, they were unequal. They, they would have known that their sin uh, had not been dealt with because they had not done the things required in that time to deal with the forgiveness of sins as it was customary in that time in Israel. And so you have these shepherds who have been told and know and feel unimportant, unskilled, uneducated, unclean. And all of a sudden you have this holy God that sends an angel, his messenger, wrapped up in the glory of God. And all of a sudden, boom, he is there on the scene. Of course they were afraid. Of course they were afraid. Imagine, and it almost points me to, I don't know if you remember the passage in Isaiah, when Isaiah has this great vision of God in the throne room, and he sees God and all he is, and he sees the cherubim and the seraphim, and he's sitting there, and all of a sudden he has this boom, this realization, I can't be in here. I, I'm, I'm a man of unclean lips. I, I, I do not belong in this place. I think the shepherds probably had a very similar reaction. Oh, hold on. This is, this is God sending a, a, an, a scary messenger, one that I can't even describe or fathom. And it, they're sending it to me and I know who I am. 
I know who I am. I know my brokenness. I know the places in which I've failed or been in lack. I know exactly what I'm good at, what I'm not. And I do not equal up to this God that I know exists. And all of a sudden, he is here through his angel, his messenger. I'm afraid because God is about to exact his justice. Or God is about to exact his wrath. Or God is going to have the way that he wants to have with me. I wonder this morning, I really wonder if in the chairs this morning, some of you are very much like the shepherds. Living a life in fear of how God sees you. Living a life in fear knowing full well your lack or full well your comparison to others or even your comparison to a holy God. And almost living with this anxiety or this fear that God is just waiting to deal with you as he pleases. God is just waiting to exact justice on you as he desires. If I'm honest with myself, there are plenty of times in my life where I'm like, all right, Lord, like, I know that I'm not walking in what you're calling me. I know that I'm not measuring up. And there's this seed of doubt that God just is so displeased with me. God is so angry with me. And God is just waiting. He's just chomping at the bit. That's what fear tells me. He's just chomping at the bit to just deal with me. And yet, we see the angel say something totally different. The shepherds responded with fear, knowing themselves, their circumstances, and their brokenness. They looked at all the things that they had control over, and the darkness of fear told them this, that their circumstances was bigger than their God. They decided in that moment that their circumstances, everything that they were or everything that they were not, all of their vocation, all the situations that they lived in were too big for the God of grace to handle. Fear told them that their circumstances were what they stood on, not God. But the angel's first words are this, fear not. It reveals that God had not chosen to send his message by the use of fear. He actually does quite the opposite. He does quite the opposite. He uses an angel to communicate the good news as a means of grace. Look at verse 10. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Don't fear. Don't be afraid. The news I have for you isn't bad news. This is not the end of the world. No, 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 no. This is actually the beginning of what I am doing now. Good news of great joy that will be for all people. So here's what I want to do. I want to camp for the rest of the sermon in this place. What is the good news of great joy for all people. First, we see this. What is the good news? What is the good news? 
Verse 10 uh, through 11 says this. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And what's that good news? Here it is. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The shepherds would have no doubt known about the promises of the Messiah, the promises of a Savior. So hearing this news, they would have no doubt realized this indeed is good news. And for us today, like if we don't realize that's good news, that's a big problem because we actually have more information than even the people at that time had. And our information actually comes from other biblical accounts that tells us what exactly Jesus, who he is, and what exactly he has done. In Colossians chapter 1, it says this, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. We talk about, did the shepherds understand the good news? And the question I have for you today is, do you understand the good news? We have a Messiah who is not only born for us, but also bled for us. And in the middle, we, we also see that he lived a life, of a sinless life, tempted and tried just as we have been. And yet he died for our sins and rose from the dead. And that's why verse 17 is so true. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. All things hold together. Do you remember his proclamation after his resurrection? Remember what he tells to his disciples? He says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Do you want to know why you can walk out of fear and into faith? Because the person in which you put your faith in is the one who holds all things together with all authority. He is Jesus. This is the baby born in the manger. This is that small, tiny gift that the shepherds would have only partly understood. And we get the, the, the favor and the ability to see the picture as a whole. I think this person was mentioned a couple weeks ago, but there's a a really famous um, Christian figure, and you may not know much about them by the name of Corey Ten Boone. And uh, her and her family during World War II, um, they actually used their home as a safe house uh, for Jews across uh, their country. And over the span in which their safe house was used, they saved over 800 lives of people that were hidden in their home. A lot of which the people that were hidden in their home actually experienced mental uh, disabilities. So the, uh, they um, struggled with um, 
you, you know, they had a, a smaller capacity uh, when it came to um, their health in, in mental health. And so tons and tons of the people that they rescued were actually um, people that um, were experiencing uh, mental disabilities. It was found out that they were doing this and they got captured, her, her father, and her sister. And as they were being dealt with, like a week into being captured, her father passed away. And then her sister and her were actually sent off to a concentration camp. And at that concentration camp, her sister passed away there. And she was actually granted a release uh, a week, uh, about a week before all the other women in her age range were actually sent to the gas chambers. What we actually know now is the story goes that her reason for her release was actually a clerical error on the part of the camp. She actually wasn't supposed to be released at all. She was supposed to be a part of that group uh, that was executed a week later. She has this quote. It's really simple, but it's really powerful. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. You want to know why we can have hope, why, why we can really walk in a place of faith? It's because God has made himself known through Jesus. God has done everything on our behalf to be made right with God through the gift and the grace of Jesus. So that's the good news. And because of this good news, we can have great joy. Luke 2, 15, 16, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. They went with haste. I was just this week talking, uh, Leanne and I on, on Wednesday, we got to like deliver Christmas presents to, to angel tree families. And in that we, we literally got done with the day and we were like, if this could be our day every day, we would do this again and again and again and again and again. Like the way that we bounced out of the car and into the car and into this house and out of this house, we did it with haste because there was great joy and being able to do it. I actually at lunch, I said, Leanne, if there was one thing that like you find the greatest joy in, what, what would it be? And for the parents in the room, you just need to be thankful for this answer. She said, if there was one thing, it would be teaching our children Sundays and Wednesdays, the word of God, and teaching them to love the Lord with all their heart. That's where Leanne, our children's minister, finds her greatest joy is in teaching our children the ways of the Lord. The question I have for you is, where do you find your greatest joy in the things of God? When, when we look at how we find joy and where we find it, I, I turn to this verse in Hebrews chapter four. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy 
and find grace to help us in our time of need. Where do you find joy? You can find joy in having a God that knows exactly what you're walking through. He has been tempted and tried in every way. And yet he is worthy to be our high priest. Where can we find joy? John 10, 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. For my father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. Where can you find joy this morning? The fact that you cannot be taken from the hand of God. His grip on you is too tight and will never loosen. He has done all the things necessary for you to be in community and relationship with you. Where can you find joy? You can find joy that we have an eternal God who has prepared the way for us to be with him eternally forever. Never separated from him and his goodness. We see this as good news of great joy for all people. What does it mean for all people? Verse 17 says this, and when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Here's the truth, guys. The good news of Jesus is for all people. Not one person is disqualified. Not one person is deemed ineligible. No one, nobody, there is no circumstance in which deems you ineligible and far enough from the grace of God that he can bring you into a place of eternal salvation and love for him. What kind of list is all people? That would be the Democrats and the Republicans, the immigrants and the asylum seekers, the wealthy with more resources than they can ever need, and the poor with more need than they could ever resource. Jesus' finished work is for the overworked, the underserved, the underappreciated, and the overlooked. It's for the bosses and the CEOs and the vision casters and the society influencers. It's for the paid workers and the uneducated. It's for the rule followers and the rule breakers. It's for the straight laced and those who march to the beat of their own drum. This good news is for those who find themselves more conservative or those who lean more liberally. This news is for the gay, straight, trans, those who have no questions about their gender and those who question everything. This good news of great joy is for all people. This good news of great joy is for you. It's for all people. God has done all that he needs in the finished work of Jesus to bring all people back to himself. The darkness of fear tells us that our circumstances are bigger than God. The light of faith tells us that our God is bigger than our circumstances. I want to leave you with this today. We're not created merely to survive in the darkness of fear, but we're called to walk in the light of faith. 
We're not called to just survive in this place of fear. Let it be a permanent resident in our lives. We're called to walk in the light of faith. As I ask Tad and the, the band to come up and finish this off, I, I want to ask you this question and I want, I want to take some time in response to think about this. Where do you fit in the shepherd's journey this morning? Where do you fit in this place of the shepherds this morning? Maybe you're spiritually standing in the field, doing the best you can with what you have, afraid of all the things you aren't, afraid that God is displeased with you and your brokenness, ready to receive the smite that you feel is coming. Maybe you're living in fear. I would encourage you to listen to the words of the angel this morning and not disqualify yourself from the grace of God. Fear not. I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. For today in the city of David, a savior is born, Christ the Lord. Maybe these are words you've heard time after time after time. You know that God's done everything for you to be in right standing with him. It isn't about anything that you've done or accomplished or how many times you've failed, but it's because of who Jesus is and what he's done that you may be made whole and right with God. What would have happened if the shepherds would have never left their flocks? What would have happened if they would have never gotten to see the gift that God had provided? Maybe today's the day where some of you need to begin to seek the Lord. Seek him for all that he's done for you. Maybe you've heard the words. Maybe you know the story. But today's the day where you say, you know what? I'm gonna walk away from the flocks the things that I put all my investments in. And today I'm gonna seek the Lord for what he's done in Christ Jesus. There's a third group as well. To those that have heard the news and sought the Lord, what does it look like to live the lives of the shepherd, to make known what had been said to them? If we really believe that this is the good news of great joy for all people, then our lives have to be a proclamation of that good news. And the question I ask for you this morning is, what's holding you back? What's holding you back to do like the shepherds did when they said that as they left, they went and told everyone of all that had been said to them? And all people who heard it were astonished. Maybe today you, you aren't living in this place of fear. You're living in this place of faith. You're seeking the Lord with all that you have. I would encourage you today in this season, be a proclaimer of the goodness and grace of Jesus to all that you walk in. Tell others of the goodness of the grace of God that you've seen in your own life you've witnessed in your own journey. So where are you this morning? 
Thanks again for listening to this Bible teaching from Island Community Church. We want to encourage you to join us for worship in person soon. No podcast can replace God's good design of gathering with other believers in a local church. For more gospel resources and ways to connect with our church, visit us at iccmemphis.com. We offer a prayer of blessing for you from Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope.